welcome to the Exploring Excellence podcast, a show where I interview professional service leaders, innovators and client service stars on the importance of people delivering excellent services to drive business performance. I'm your host, Lynn Bromley. I'm an author, speaker, business consultant and the managing director of First Impressions Training. I've spent my whole career in professional services and a large part of it in finance and technology, so I'm a huge fan of all things techie. But I want to make sure that in a world where we're more connected than ever before and strangely more disconnected at a human level than ever before, we bridge that gap between tech and people. So sit back and enjoy the show while I introduce you to today's guest. Hello and welcome to today's episode. I'm here at Gallagher Insurance Brokers in Coventry with service team leader Debbie Moss. Hello, Hello. good Hello, afternoon. Debbie. Hi, welcome and thank, thank you, you for joining me today. So first of all, tell us a little bit about what you do now. Okay, so I'm, as you in, in the introduction, I'm the service team leader and that, what that actually means is that I've got a team of people who go out and see clients to give them advice um, and I manage them, their welfare, their development, etc. And I also have my own book of clients that I look after and advise too. Wow, so quite a, a busy job then as you're a, a player manager. Indeed, but that's how we do it at Gallagher. Even Mr Gallagher and Mr Gallagher in the States, they um, they still have clients. Um, that way you keep in touch with the reality of the job and the challenges that you face whilst doing it. Mm, definitely, I completely agree with that. I, I like to do it that way myself. I really enjoy the delivery and enjoy being with clients as well. So I, I wholeheartedly agree. So tell us a little bit about your background and how you got into what you do now. Well, um, I am apparently fairly unusual in that I've moved around, uh, I think it's seven times now. Um, and that's largely been personal driven family needs and that has led me to change my jobs. Um, I joined Gallagher in September 2016. My daughter had come back from America after working there for a couple of years. Um, She knew she was planning to get married to have a family and said would I be nearby to be the, the, the nanny arm of the family. So, um, because I've moved around a lot, it was no big deal for me. The only wrench being that I left my son and his family, where I moved from previously. Um, I chose to work at Gallagher because of the family ethos we've already discussed. Um, There are some larger insurance brokers, and I've worked for one or two, um, that you're more of a number, and I I like to be in a role where I know I can make a difference. That's not life-changing every single day, but... um, the fact that Mr Gallagher and Mr Gallagher are still in the business was a massive appeal to me. Um, and I like the people who interviewed me, because I think that gets overlooked massively when you're going. You know, your, your colleagues don't have to be your best friends, but I think it's important that you have some sort of rapport. Definitely, yes. I think if you get on uh, as a team, then, then things just go much more smoothly. So tell us a little bit more about the Gallagher way so and, and the culture that, that you find okay. here. So we've got, Gallagher has got, if, you, if you've been onto the website, there's just 25 tenants which um, have been in sort of force since uh, Mr Gallagher started in 1893. That date might be wrong, so please don't criticise me. Um, <laughs> we'll so let you off that. <laughs> he wanted to... to establish a company which could grow um, but still be true to the beliefs. I'm not going to quote all 25 because I don't know them all, but it, it's all about being um, a trusted advisor and being uh, responsible and ethical. 
Um, Gallagher has won um, an, ethosphere, an Ethisphere Award for about the last seven or eight years. We are the only insurance broker ever to have done so. And to keep winning it year on year is fabulous and I think just gives a public view of what we're like. Um, one example of that is each employee in every office throughout the world um, is permitted three days voluntary leave on full pay. So most of the employees in Coventry tend to do this on an ad hoc basis. We do various um, volunteer days. Um, some of our staff went over to the Belgrade recently and, and helped at a relaxed performance, which they loved. And we are going to school later this week to do some work in the garden. Fantastic. So it's tremendous. And we have, um, we have we're very big into well-being. Uh, we have a fruit bowl. Um, which might seem a small thing, but it, it's very popular and goes down very well. And we positively encourage everybody to go out, if not at lunchtime, to have a well-being walk of 15 minutes every day. Um, and again, that's well sort of utilised. So all this on the background of, you know, you've got to work hard. Let's not pretend we're not a holiday, holiday camp. But your development is also in your own hands. I mean, I started here in September 16 as an account executive servicing clients was promoted to service team leader a year later because everybody knew, I've done this before, I love managing people, I know not everyone does, but I love it, I love that bit of the business, uh, helping them develop and encourage and mentor and coach, all of those things which come in. But you literally can, because we're a, a global company, you literally can do pretty much whatever you want, choose your own career path. One of our ladies who started off as an internal is just probably gonna jump into an external role and her sort of aspirations are to go to work in Canada for a couple of years to get the life experience. And I can see no reason why she couldn't do that. Brilliant. And I think that just sums up the whole Gallagher ethos. Yeah. You, know, you have to do your job. There is an expectation. But actually, if you've got career aspirations, I'll support you all the way. Mm. That sounds fantastic. I love the idea of the, the well-being walk as well. And it's such a big deal at the moment, isn't it? Everywhere you go, people are talking about when, uh, well-being and mental health and, and so on. And it's, it's so important. It's not, not to just pay lip service to it, but to actually do it. And it's fantastic to see that you're, you're really walking your talk. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, we are a bit of ahead of the game because we, we, have, we are interested in the whole well-being. So we've actually got two qualified mental health first aiders in the office, which I believe is quite groundbreaking. Mm. Um, but I think it's a good thing to do because I do believe that it will become compulsory at some point, not, in, you know, not too far ahead. So I think it's very important um, to, to have that and be aware of the, the potential pitfalls. Yeah, and it sounds as though that really fits with your ethos as well. So it's not something you're doing just because you need to do it or have to do it if it becomes enforced. It's something you're choosing to do ahead of the curve because it's something that you feel is, is really important. So. Yeah, we're not really a lip service kind of office. Mm. We are, we're very unusual in, in a lot of ways um, because insurance and financial services is very male-dominated. Um, and I'm not being, you know, uh, any anything other than factual here. This is the truth. Um, but this office actually is very heavily female oriented, which I think does contribute to that whole well-being ethos of development because we have more empathy, I believe. Mm. Um, that's not to say men aren't don't aren't empathetic, but I'm not saying that. So please don't shoot me down. But I just think all the environments I've been in, which have been male dominated. 
this is by far the most supportive mm. office. I, I think you're right. In, in terms of the research that's out there, there is a, a leaning towards the fact that women are more empathetic just naturally. And that's not to say that all women are. There are some who are not at all. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> just as there are men who are very empathetic. So it is good to have that, that balance, I think. And just like you, I've worked in, in um, services for my whole career. And a lot of those uh, industries have been things like finance and IT and so typically very male dominated but a lot of the teams I worked in were were very balanced actually and I think that's good to have that balance in there. I think if you could aim for a 50-50 split it would be absolutely perfect but you know life isn't like that unfortunately yes. um, and you just take the best candidate for whichever role comes up but yes I would agree I think yeah. you, you need both mm. to, to have the balance definitely. Yeah. So this podcast is very much aimed at, at looking at that balance between talking of balance it's the balance between people and technology because as you know the way things have moved we are very technical and I'm, I'm imagining that insurance has, has really gone down that route. How important do you think it is still to have people who are great at delivering great service? It's absolutely vital. Um, I went to a conference in Manchester five or six years ago where this very sub- subject was d- debated. Um, there are something like 3,000 insurance brokers in the UK so it's a very competitive market. And that's, you know, when sort of um, IT-driven solutions were coming to the fore. And since then, in the last five or six years, it's probably quadrupled or even more. You know, I do my own motor insurance online because it's quick, it's convenient. You have all these comparison sites where you can get more than one quote at a time. Um, and I think you, if you're fairly savvy, you can get a good deal. There are pitfalls. I have uh, friends who have gone on to a site and found a quote and then only to realise when they've got the policy that their excess is, say, £400 because it hasn't been absolutely spelt out. So I think there's pitfalls. Um, but in terms of the advice, it's, it's absolutely vital. I, you know, All our clients here, because of the complexity of their, their programme, I mean, for example, we do IT consultancy as one of our specialisms and life science, which is an emerging risk and very complex, you could not possibly get a form online where that would um, be able to be quoted. So that's one element, it's just they're too complex. And secondly, they, they want somebody to hold their hand. We were talking off air about business setup, how somebody sets up a business and they've got a passion or knowledge that they want to pursue. Um, and the insurance, you know, they need advice. I was talking, as an example, I was talking to a lady in IT last year. She's been in business five years. Um, and she didn't realise that employer's liability insurance was compulsory. Wow. So she'd never bought it. Gosh. So now, you know, forget the health and safety prosecutions that could have, have, have ensued because of that. Had one of her employees been injured, that could potentially have put the business out of, of trading. Mm, absolutely. Um, so it's that kind of key advice that we do. We've got a lot more complex now. I mean, cyber risks is, is the sort of one of the real on-trend topics. Um, and most people don't understand the risks. So... We have um, an exclusive department in London, we have our own products, and, and everyone here is very au fait with talking about cyber risks. So it's that kind of stuff, I think, that is important, which is why the face-to-face mm. is needed. And then when the final point is when, when a client does have a claim, they want the advice and the guidance on how to submit it, and, and quite frankly, what's not covered, because not everything in business has an insurance solution. Mm. So yes. um, that's why I cannot see brokers disappearing, certainly, you know, in the foreseeable future. 
because you don't think AI can replace um, that sort of very complex environment that you're that you're in. As you say, for something simple like a car insurance or home insurance, maybe, but not when it comes to something complex such as business. Absolutely not. It's it's too complex, and people like to be guided. They've got their own expertise in running the business. They're not insurance experts. So in the same way that they might outsource their health and safety or their or their HR they would potentially outsource their insurance. Um, yeah. Although some of the really large companies have their own in-house insurance. Um, but that that's, you know, even they're insurance experts, you know, it's not yes. the people running the business. So, yeah, I do not see a future, certainly within my lifetime, where brokers aren't vital. Um, I think the role is changing. If we talk about, go back to Gallagher for, for a moment, um, we focus very much on risk management as well because that does have an impact on premium levels and claims history for example we don't just um, you know try and sell you all sorts of insurances we're very specific in advice we're consultative and that is why the risk management side is just as important as, as the insurance side because there are some risks in business that you are uninsurable and there are some that are insurable but just might cost too much yes. you know, for the business um, so it's this type of advice that we give then a business can weigh up then what they buy and what they don't buy. Um, yes. So that's how we do it. Yeah, and as you say, that kind of advice can't be given just by a, a computer programme because it would be too complicated for them to, to calculate. Absolutely to, right, yeah. And to be able to look at all of that risk, um, you need that human knowledge that goes Indeed, along yeah. with it. Indeed, yeah. And I would say every single one of our clients have a bespoke service because although there's some similarities with certain classes, each one of them is different. And also, people like to do things differently, depending on their style. You know, I, I can, we produce reports that are probably 50, 60 pages long. And some clients you sit with will look at five or six of them, and others will look at every single one. Mm, so, yes. you know, there's lots of, lots of nuances and differences in, in people. Mm. So, you, you know, maybe robots can talk to robots, but I don't think people, <laughs> you know, will ever yeah. lose the benefit of talking to people. Yeah. Definitely, no, that's great. And in terms of digitization, how has that impacted on your business? Not so much, um, because again of the complexity and the size of our risks that we place. There are some that we do. Um, we have certain products that um, we can uh, write and produce ourselves, and that's that's the benefit of being part of a large organisation. So rather than just going out and buying a policy for a client, we write the policy and then look for an insurance backer. So that kind of thing can be online. Um, and we've just recently launched a new product for excess public and employer's liability, where you increase the limits. And that's proving fantastically easy to do, a competitive premium, which is lovely for the clients, and it gives the cover. There are limitations because there are certain trades and things that don't fit into it, but we're finding that most of our clients do. Mm -hmm. So there is an element of digitization in things like scheme type things where they fit. And also we have a, a smaller enterprise team that deals with um, the smaller clients and a lot more of their product is digitized because it's simpler. Mm -hmm. um, and that can be done there. So yes, it has an impact, um, but on a, you know, for the larger complex clients, it's just not feasible, uh, particularly as we deal with a lot of clients who are global, whether importing, exporting, or actually have companies overseas. Um, and there's just, you just couldn't do that 
digitally because it's just you know the system isn't been invented yet that mm-hmm. that could be yeah um and each country that that that's when the rules and regulations and the laws come in from each country because insurance we won't mention brexit because that could change absolutely everything um certainly good <laughs> but even before that you know there are rules and regulations some insurances we can arrange from the uk if the head office is uh, uk based um some we can't some some you just have to issue in certain countries mm. an example of ours is the employer's liability i mentioned that's compulsory in this country uh, as is motor insurance so you know things like that have to be arranged locally so there's no way you could put that under a digital program. Um, having said that, you know, all our reports, all our documentation is, is produced electronically as it should be. You know, we are trying to go paper light. We're never going to say paper free because that's impossible. And I think there's too, thing, isn't it? <laughs> there's too many of us that like to scribble on pieces of paper. Um, but we are trying to go paper light so that and, and clients would prefer and are used to getting things by email. Uh, and they can read them at their leisure rather than having mounds of paper that, let's face it, they'll probably never read, uh, even though they should. Um, so, yeah, so it has an impact in terms of our day-to-day servicing, um, and I think there will come a time when we don't produce paper at all, when we're perhaps presenting on tablets or laptops. We're not there yet, but I think that's coming fairly soon. Um, but in terms of actually how people buy insurance... It's it's been there. It's been around for a while, but for the more complex risks, I don't I don't see it mm. taking over at all. Yeah. So it sounds as though you've capitalised on it and used it where possible for the more simple um, types of inquiry that you get. But more complex, it's definitely where you still need the the human being and the Absolutely. human touch Absolutely. to uh, to have that perhaps face to face conversation yeah. or as you say, email, as, as lots of people do now. Have you found that, um, with email becoming more more prevalent, have you found that that's caused an issue in terms of communication with, with people and lack of understanding and that sort of thing? Yes, I, I positively discourage email, um, I, particularly when you get an email conversation. That frustrates me hugely. Um, so I would always pick the phone up. Because of our regular regulatory requirements, we have to record everything. Um, so you might make a phone call and then follow up with an email, but I think you can get absolute clarity in a phone call that you really can't get in an email. Um, so, and we get, as with everyone else, we get a tremendous amount of emails and it's very, very easy to get distracted by them. Um, because I think, I, I, I'm led to believe, although I would dispute it, um, that that's how a lot of people prefer to communicate these days. Um, maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. Um, be interesting to find out what other people think about that. Mm. But I much prefer a face-to-face conversation. And if you can't have it face-to-face, although webinars, of course, now um, are, are becoming more and more prevalent, I much prefer a phone call than an email trail. Yeah, definitely. I think you're right. I think it does vary person to person. And I think sometimes if you're busy, it's it's quick and easy to fire off an email. But equally, it's quick and easy to make a mistake as well. And then the email gets read in a different tone of voice. And that's where you get the the lack of understanding. And I think particularly inside a business, that's often where you can get problems where people misunderstand what was said and and it can blow up before you know it. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, I said my preferred method is if there's something if somebody's got a, an inquiry I would talk to them about it so make sure they understand and then I would put it in, in writing because I think you've covered all bases mm. then um, yes because so, I think sometimes our industry not so much hope thankfully here but our industry tends to uh, use jargon too much 
expecting people to understand um, and they don't because they're not insurance experts yeah. so email has its has its advantages um, but no I still prefer a phone call I, yeah. I must confess yes and I think you're right I think most industries have got their own sort of TLAs as we call them the three letter acronyms and, and people inside the organisation know what they mean or, or the industry but actually outside of that it, it can be really confusing so yeah it's uh, you're not on your own there I don't no. think insurance. <laughs> no, it, no. it seems to uh, seems to happen everywhere so <laughs> Um, so your company recently won uh, an award at the Service Excellence Awards. You won the Financial Services uh, Company of the Year. So how has that been? We did. That was amazing. And we took a decision at the in quarter four last year that we would be more prolific with our award entries because we had a phenomenal, successful year in 2018. And one of our remits is to get more known locally. Um, and we thought award winning would, would be one of the ways. We've Gallagher has sponsored um, one of the networks, Woman Who Achieves Internationally for three years running now, because that ties in with one of our USPs in that way are the only broker in Coventry with global capability. Mm-hmm. So we thought we should capitalise on that. So we've sponsored and we've encouraged, but we've never really entered. Um, so we now have a strategy for throughout 2019 to enter awards and we were thrilled to win that because um, we like team awards better than individual rewards because I think it sums up our whole ethos that everybody from the client facing people who are the fee income uh, earners ultimately to the back office staff to the brokers all played a part so yes we were very very pleased to win that reward Um, and what I found most interesting was I went to a potential client a month ago um, and he mentioned it as so it obviously gives you credibility yes Um, so I'm convinced so yeah it was fantastic Um, and we have been using it publicly and internally um, Gallagher is very good at um, sharing news stories because we've got 52 offices throughout the UK so we are currently on the intranet as being a Coventry one Brilliant. service award so that's really great. good it's been fantastic and you sponsor the rugby as well don't you yes that was that was a decision taken obviously at a higher level um, Gallagher around the Midlands if you say Gallagher to people they say oh the builders um, so it was part of wanting to raise the profile so a decision was taken that the rugby premiership would be a good way of doing it and it's worked um, and it's tremendous because we have days where we take families and staff and we have days where we take clients and potential clients um, and it's a much softer way of talking about business than just formal meetings mm-hmm. in the in the offices and it's been really successful um, and we've had a great great season so Fantastic. Yeah, yeah really great. good. Um, just going back to the, the awards, so I'm, I'm one of the organisers of the Service Excellence Awards, and it was really interesting that when we were talking to people about applying, quite a few people said, oh, no, we can't possibly nominate ourselves and put ourselves forward. People, I think, were assuming that they would get nominated, which in some, in some cases that does happen. Yeah. Um, it sounds as though you nominated your yourselves. What would you say to other people who were sort of thinking, oh, maybe I shouldn't, do it and no absolutely 100% do it um I was one of the skeptics I um you know I have been completely um done a u-turn in the last six months 
Um, I, I've judged the Woman Who Awards, uh, and I did them again this year, and the difference in standard in the two years was phenomenal. Um, so, yes, I would say absolutely nominate yourself. Don't be shy. Um, it's a very British trait not to stand up and tell people what you're good at. But, you know, it'll give you credibility. It'll expand your brand. And also, if nothing else, it actually focuses your mind on what your business plan is. Mm. Um, so that was quite good. So we've actually dedicated a person in the office to do our award strategy so that there is some consistency and continuity and get the message out in a consistent manner um, so yeah absolutely 100% do it you won't regret it even even if you don't get to be a finalist the pro going through the process um, is very uh, beneficial and a great learning curve um, and if you get to be a finalist that's fantastic yes. you can you can promote that and then if you win it's it's you know it's the cherry on the cake mm, yeah definitely. absolutely do it don't hesitate yeah, and as you said, it's also that team of pride when you win, or even if you're finalists, it's lovely to to have that, isn't it? And to recognition, yeah, recognition. Because yeah. I think we're all busy doing our jobs that sometimes we don't celebrate our successes often enough, and this is one way to do that. Mm. Yeah. And as you said, it's also about getting that local recognition so people know who you are, and it it gets the name out as well. It's a great way of doing PR, isn't it? As Indeed, well as, yeah, it is, and it's it's actually quite good fun, mm, you know. Absolutely. And then you know the dinners are usually. Yeah. Um, Usually quite good fun. So, yes. You know, yeah. And we mustn't forget to have fun. I think we all do that sometimes as yeah. well. You have yeah. to have some fun. You certainly do. You're at work a long time, aren't you? Indeed. So <laughs> it's uh, certainly good to have fun along the way. So that's brilliant. So both of us are giving our time freely today to uh, to provide the, the information on this podcast. So I thought it'd be a great way of, of people being able to give back, to be able to nominate a charity that you'd like people to, uh, to perhaps give a donation to. Okay. So, yeah, I mentioned the Belgrade earlier, mm. and we recently became one of their um, directors' members, um, which uh, involved a financial um, donation to them, and we get to go to various events. Um, as I said, we helped out at their relaxed events, so that would be our nominated, uh, would be the Belgrade in Coventry. Yeah, and for people that aren't local, the Belgrade is a, is a theatre, and it's a, it's a lovely old theatre, isn't it? Absolutely beautiful. So it's uh, it's a really good uh, good charity to, to support. And contribution is one of my core values as well, so that's why I wanted to, to do this on, on the podcast because a lot of them end up being sponsored and you, you end up with all sorts of adverts in them and I didn't want to do that and I thought actually a nice way to, to bring in that element is for people to be able to, to make a, a charity donation. Fabulous, yeah, it's really good. And so one thing I, I, I omitted to say about Gallagher is that they, if, we do, if you do any charity fundraising, uh, they have a match scheme mm, which is brilliant. you know can double your contribution, which fantastic. is fantastic. A couple of our ladies ran the Coventry Half um, yeah. last month and they um, they got their fundraising matched and we have as a team previously done Race for Life and had the fundraising matched brilliant so it's fabulous yeah I've done that myself in fact I'm doing the moonwalk are in, you in May so Excellent. I think it's about three weeks time so wow. I've been busy doing my my training walks <laughs> and trying to get my number of steps up on the Fitbit so yeah so fabulous. I'm really looking forward to doing that as well so well thank you so much Debbie that's been really great and I think there's some really useful tips and piece of advice in there for, for our listeners um, if people would like to find out more about Gallagher where where should they go to find well, out more there's a Gallagher website www.gallagher.co.uk and there's a, there's a page in Coventry um, we're also um, all on LinkedIn um, Debbie Moss and uh, we're also on Twitter um, 
if you search Gallagher Cov, which is short for Gallagher Coventry, six or seven of, of the team members will come up. So please feel free to contact us with them. Um, if you've got any queries, we love giving advice. Oh, brilliant. That's great. Thank you so much for that, Debbie. I'm sure people will, uh, will send some queries in. Thank, Thank you. Thank you. I'd like to give a huge thank you to Debbie for giving up her time to record this podcast with me. And I think she gave some great information in that. So I just want to pick out a couple of my favourite points. Um, firstly, I love the idea of a Gallagher Way and the fact that it's been in, in place since 1927 when the company started uh, by Mr Gallagher. And one of the, the, in fact, they're all fantastic, but my favourite one that really stood out to me is we all need one another. We're all cogs in a wheel. And although that relates to Gallagher, then doesn't that equally relate to us in this world? It's perhaps a bit big, um, big, bit of a big concept, but I really like that and that really stood out for me. So fantastic. Um, I also really like the fact that actually the reason that Debbie joined was that she really, really liked the people that interviewed her. So again, adding weight to my argument about people being important to an organisation, you can't be interviewed by um, a robot. Well, maybe, maybe you can in the future, but you can't at the moment. Um, and certainly it was the people that attracted her to go and work there and equally I love the the values around volunteering and the fact that they match your charity contributions so if you fundraise then Gallagher actually match any funds that you raise as well so that's that's another great uh, tick in the box to to Gallagher um, and I also like the idea that although insurance is one of those industries that has got a huge amount of technology behind it in actual fact for their clients who are more complex business users um, they really do like the human touch and they like the fact that there's somebody there to guide them through the process and particularly when they like to well when they need to make a claim of course no one likes to make a claim but sometimes we have to and so having somebody there to guide you through is is important and I also liked what Debbie said about applying for awards as well so it really Really helped to to raise their team's profile and the fact that it was a team award they were proud in the achievement that the team all made together so next year when you start hearing me talk about promoting the uh, service excellence awards 2020 which seems ages away but actually I'm sure it'll be here before we know it so when you hear me start to promote those in September 2019 then remember what Debbie said and do apply don't be shy and get your applications in um, I also wanted to mention that any of the information Debbie mentioned is going to be on the show notes. So if you want to go and have a look at their website, if you want to find out more about the charity that she mentioned, which is the Belgrade Theatre, which actually since we recorded the podcast, I've been to again and uh, watched a show there. Eric and Ern, it was fantastic. So if you do get the opportunity, then go and, go and check them out. And I wouldn't normally do this, but by the time you listen to this recording, I will have done the moonwalk, which uh, which I mentioned when I was chatting to Debbie. This is a, uh, a charity walk, which is in aid of breast cancer. Um, I'm lucky enough not to have had that myself, but I have got friends who uh, have danced with, with cancer and um, really, really happy to support that charity. So I'm going to be walking through the streets of London with three of my friends, Annette, Andrea and Jill. And we're going to be setting off at midnight and walking through the streets of London. We think it'll take us about four, four and a half hours to complete. It's 15.1 miles. 
and I'm sure we'll be chatting and, uh, and enjoying the camaraderie all the way round. So if you fancy supporting us in that, in our, in our, um, in our efforts to raise money for the charity, then check out my Just Giving page. So you'll just find it under my name, Lynn Bromley Moonwalk. So last but not least, um, I hope you're enjoying these podcasts. And if you are, then please go and rate us and, uh, and give us a review so other people might be able to to find us as well and that's it for me for this episode and i will look forward to catching up with you with you again in next month's episode thank you very much bye bye